Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. The zone, but they're going to keep using McLaurin across the football field. Catch made by Robinson out of the backfield. It powers ahead. What a play by the rookie. And Washington jumps out in front. Brian Robinson. Ritter, pocket collapsing. Extends the play. Let's it fly. And it's caught. Oh, my goodness. And the Falcons roll the dice and convert on fourth and nine to take the lead with 90 seconds left. One and two on Corbin Carroll. Bounce to Freeman. They get a one and two. Don't know if Corbin may have thought that was a foul ball. It was signaled fair by Manny Gonzalez. Yeah, he didn't run. Corbin didn't run. Who put in good work all day. Rodgers on the run. Puck fake. Freeze him to the end zone for another Packer touchdown. Olderman to the plate, and that hits Acuna, and he spikes the bat down. That was a sinker 97 that came inside. Came inside two pitches ago, just missed him, and Ronald was frustrated then. And he's really frustrated now, just squatted down right outside the batter circle, and now George Poole is going to come out and take a peek at him. Looked like it got the elbow guard and then went down and hit him in the thigh. He's trying, but... Now he spikes the helmet down. He's furious. And I would be too. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Wednesday, August the 9th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2100.7, the Commanders over under 7.5 wins in 2023, the Falcons over under 7.5 wins in 2023, the Diamondbacks, how they become this feeble, hard knocks, what stood out last night. The NL MVP, who should be second behind Ronald Acuna Jr. And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, our season previews of the NFL continue with the Washington Commanders. George Wallace from WTOP scheduled to join us. 9.30, 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also the local roundup. That will include uh, some Tuesday night Diamondbacks and Dodgers analysis. Uh, then in the final segment of the sports, that will be the, uh, the uh, national roundup. That will be topped by from the MLB scoreboard. Then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, there will be the extra point hosted by Kayla. And that will include an NFL team preview of the Atlanta Falcons. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. 
And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is the 2023 Washington Commanders over or under seven and a half wins. Kayla's here and has the early returns. That's right. We're in a 50-50 split right now between over seven and a half and under seven and a half wins. The Commanders, most importantly, are rid of Daniel Schneider. And on the field, they have a starting quarterback, Sam Howe, a new starting quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, the apparently very aggressive Eric Bieniemy, and maybe a healthy edge rusher in Chase Young. Today's Twitter poll question, the 2023 Atlanta Falcons over or under seven and a half wins. Kayla, what's up? What's up with this? Over seven and a half wins at 66.7% of the vote, under trailing at 33.3%. This is over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. The Falcons are seeking in a run of five consecutive losing seasons, and they will need second-year quarterback Desmond Ritter to get uh, some of his interesting – they have some, several interesting skill performers. They need to get – he needs to get them the ball uh, to provide lead for a defense, which added several free agents, including former Cardinal Calais Campbell. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks lost by one run last night to the Dodgers. Do not be fooled. Arizona was shut out until the eighth inning last night. How, how have the Diamondbacks just become this bad on offense? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, if you're sick of Aaron Rodgers, Hard Knocks 2023 may not be for you. The first episode, predictably, was almost all Rodgers. So for you HBO subscribers out there, uh, what or who stood out, other than Aaron Rodgers, in the first episode of Hard Knocks in the Jets? It's more like Hard Knocks and Aaron Rodgers. Meanwhile, the uh, Braves are appar- apparently got very fortunate last night. Uh, National League MVP frontrunner Ronald Acuna Jr., as you heard there at the top, forced to leave the game on Tuesday night in Pittsburgh. He was hit by a pitch on the left elbow. X-rays negative, and they say, at least uh, last night, they said he is considered to be day-to-day. Who should be second to Ronald Acuna in the National League MLP, MVP race? Meanwhile, also in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 602- 260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or, uh, or uh, twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by a Washington Commanders season preview. Scheduled to be joined by George Wallace of WTOP in D.C. A whole different look, obviously, in Washington. No Daniel Snyder. That's certainly a good thing for everybody in the world involved, pretty much. Uh, so that's good, and uh, we'll see how things have changed. They have an intriguing team. And, uh, you know, it's a key word, intriguing. I'm not sure they're going to be that good, but I am intrigued about several aspects of their team. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, the local roundup topped by a Diamondbacks, uh, some Diamondbacks and Dodgers analysis from Tuesday night. 
You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Daniel Snyder era has ended, uh, more importantly, at least right now for our purposes, the Washington football team under Snyder, 27th in winning percentage, and just two teams had fewer playoff appearances. Out to the KDUS hotline we go, and for a preview of the new-look commanders, we're now joined in the sports zone by George Wallace of WTOP. George, always good to have you on the show. What's the atmosphere in commander land without Daniel Snyder? Well, Bob, as you can imagine – it is uh, night and day. From, from day one of training camp when fans were allowed and the thousands of fans that were back, and they've been like that every day that fans have been out here at practice. I mean, they had 10,000 fans the third day, and that's just unheard of. And even on a random, you know, Tuesday like yesterday and today, you know, three to 4,000 people. So the excitement, you can feel it from top to bottom, and even the players too. I mean, they're not – Look, they're human beings. They they heard it all. They dealt with it all. They heard this, us asking the questions, and uh, you know, so it trickles down to them on the field as well. And you can tell that a big weight has been lifted off of everybody in that building and on that practice field. Ron Rivera has uh, you know been through most of this with uh, you know at least the last few years with uh, the Schneider regime and so forth. Uh, Rivera returning. Is there a hot seat meter for Rivera entering the new season, new ownership, et cetera? Yeah, I think so, to be honest. I think, look, he's heading into his fourth year. He signed a five-year deal initially. Uh, I, I think that it was too late to necessarily do anything on the, um, you know, on the immediate when they took over, but I do think that there is some sort of hot seat. I do think that he has to have a year where – Either they win nine or ten games and barely miss the playoffs or win nine games and make the playoffs. Uh, because, look, Josh Harris is going to have his own ideas. I mean, that's ownership group. They're going to, you know, start to search for maybe a GM and a, a, a new head coach. And then you have the Eric Bieniemy situation. So I do think that he is on a hot seat. Not necessarily, you know, you lose the first two or three games of the year. But if you start one and five, one and six, I, I, I think anything is possible, to be honest. Speaking of Eric Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator, his aggressive style, quote unquote, was a topic of discussion on network television on Tuesday. <laughs> Apparently, some of the players are not cool with that. What's going on there? You know, it's Ron. Look, Ron shouldn't have said what he said. To be honest, I mean, it's it's one of those things that should be kept in house. If in fact that is the case. Uh, there's the theory that Ron was sending a message to Eric enemy when he said it, and he had planned to say it. Um, I, I don't – look, this team hasn't won much. They haven't done anything. They've been in last place. You need the hard, You need this kind of coaching. I'm sorry. Eric Bieniemy is – he's a winner. He's come from – Uh-oh. Kale, is he gone? 
He's gone. I can hear that. That's that's the gone sound there. <laughs> okay, we'll try to get back with him. As I mentioned, this was a big topic yesterday on uh, Sports Center in the afternoon. Sports Center, three o'clock hour time. Also, it was covering the NFL Network. I'm guessing probably most of the day yesterday because NFL Network's doing this you know 12 hour thing at training camp, and uh, I did see total access last night. It was a topic there, and uh, you know the enemy. Uh, an aggressive offensive style is kind of how it was described. So uh, see what's going on with that. Hopefully we can get re- re-hooked up here with George. No matter uh, what the situation or the aggression of the style or who the coordinator is, uh, at least right now, Sam Howe's back. And uh, Sam Howe is uh, – you know, I liked his skill set in college. He has plenty of weapons in Washington. I think there's some offensive line issues. Uh, what are your expectations this season, George, for, for uh, Sam Howell? Well, I think Sam Howell has shown that he is uh, – he's, look, he's done 19 passes, and he's taken all the reps now with the ones, and this is his first real training camp as a starter. I like what I've seen, but then again, you know, you're watching practice and you're seeing drills and what the offense is supposed to win. So he's got a great zip on the ball. He's got a nice long ball. I don't know what – necessarily you can say an expectation is then to be honest because I think the offensive line is going to be a bigger issue I think he was touching on it there a little bit uh, so if they can keep him upright I think he has a chance to be successful but if he's running for his life every two or three plays then I think they're going to have a problem so I think that he could be a quarterback and they may have found something absolutely uh, but I do think that they are pleased and very happy with Jacoby Brissett because he is a guy that has proven can play in this league and if he has to play he will do just fine. So it's every bit. Sam's getting every bit of opportunity to do this. He's learning Eric enemy's offense, and I think that uh, you know they're pleased so far with what he's done. He's paying attention in the meeting room, so on and so forth. And you hear the coaches and players say a lot his his command of the huddle and they're getting in and out of the huddle, and that's a big thing. And I think that's what the coaches are looking for. Basic things like that in this first preseason game, to be honest, coming up. George Wallace, WTOP, currently in the sports zone, previewing the Commanders. I mentioned offensive weapons, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson in the backfield, Terry McLaurin, uh, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel amongst the receivers. How might B- uh, enemy distribute uh, the touches between those guys? Yeah, that's going to be that's a good point. That's going to be a fun thing to watch. I mean, he gets he spreads the ball around. Page and Logan Thomas are going to have big roles in this offense, too. And Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, third down back, coming out of the backfield. Uh, he's proven he can catch the ball. And I think that, you know, you see him work on it a lot so far in his early part of camp is just spreading the ball around. And with the weapons, if Sam Howe can go through two or three progressions and find another one of those weapons, it's going to be a successful offense. But, again, that's going to have to be on the offensive line a lot, I think. Um, but the weapons are there, and I think we've seen the enemy – be able to spread the ball around. I don't think anybody's going to be hurting for touches, and I think that if they make the most of their opportunities, which you hear coaches say a lot, then this offense has potential. It does. So the defense, I think they've got some difference-making players, at least from a different uh, a distance, I should say, some underrated players, but how much of the defense comes down to Chase Young, who's at considerable uh, time missed because of injury and when healthy uh, more than occasionally has not been a difference maker. No, you're right. And I think that is, that is the big key. That is the big key is Chase Young and Montez Sweat because Chase Young, he takes, he takes off and he's, um, 
he's looked expensive early on here in camp, but to be a matter of he plays the way that he's capable of playing, and I think that is going to be a big thing. If he comes out and plays like Ron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and then you add some of the, 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 the secondary linebackers, then you add Emmanuel Forbes. To be honest with you, I think this defense has a chance to be really good. Face young. Defense was pretty good last year. Third in yards allowed, seventh in points allowed. How much of that was Jack Del Rio putting players in in position to succeed? Yeah, that was a big part of it. They've switched it up a lot of zone now, uh, and they've made a point of that. Jack Del Rio actually just spoke to us after practice and the way he's using his secondary and things like that. But, he's, you know, it's uh, I think it's a combination of both. I think because these defensive players are now – Third, last year, third year in the system. This year, fourth year in the system. And it's just coming natural. It's come. You can tell early on in camp here, Bob, that this defense, I mean, and it should be, let's be honest, it should be way ahead of the offense. There's no doubt about it. But they've been very explosive and in the right spot. So to your point, it's a combination of Jack Del Rio pushing the right buttons and this self defense, these guys just being turned loose. Okay. Yeah. Individually, I did mention that there's some different makes difference making players here. Uh, specifically, you mentioned the Alabama connection. What what defensive players stand out from somebody like yourself who watches every snap that this team plays? Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat is the guy that stands out. <laughs> he is the quickest guy I've seen on defense. Uh, he's just all over the field. He, it's two, three steps, and he's in the backfield. And it's just been fun to watch him play. It really is. And he's gone. Gone again. Okay, we're going to try one more time here. Um, we're, we're like two-thirds through the way through of my questions here, so hopefully we can get the last third in and uh, we'll get to a couple of things. Uh, trying to hook up again with George Wallace from WTOP as we preview the commanders. Sometimes when you're on the field uh, for training camp, these things happen. Uh, early see, uh, the, the preseason games begin this week for Washington, so – I'm kind of curious. Uh, there's, I think there's, there's some position battles going on here, I think mainly on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, you know, I don't know if there's too many like first-year players to pay attention to, uh, but we'll see what's up with that. And uh, hopefully, uh, as I mentioned, we can hook up with George here again. Uh, also, uh, the 2023 win total for Washington, sitting at 7.5, and George is back. Okay, George, let's get uh, to I don't the. Know what's uh, happening, Bob. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I have no, no idea what's I, happening. I'm in the same spot. <laughs> no, no problem. I get it. I've had it happen to me when I'm in your situation. Uh, preseason games for Washington begin this week. Are there some position battles to pay attention to? And are there any like first year players or kind of quote unknown players that uh, you, you, we should maybe pay attention to? Yeah, I think. To watch Emmanuel Forbes, their first-round pick, is going to be – he's fun to watch. Get out of Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State. He's uh, very quick. He, I know they made a lot about his size, but he has a knack for the ball early on in camp, and he's been running with the ones a lot in that secondary. So he's going to be fun to watch, see how much time he gets this weekend. Honestly, the starting positions on this team, Bob, are pretty much all uh, secured. I mean, we're watching for depth now. Uh, tight end depth. Uh, offensive line I'm watching for depth because that is for me the biggest question mark right now but as far as the starting position battles uh, they're up they're pretty much all taken I mean Sadiq Charles on the left side of the line it, uh, this is really his chance to secure a spot as a starting uh, left guard there if not Chris Paul is kind of you know pushing him a little bit but other than that I mean 
I'm going to be watching most of the preseason to see how he, adapt, how, how he is adapting. Okay, it's kind of a follow-up on that. Are there some other things that you're paying attention to uh, closely, either in camp or in the preseason? Honestly, it's the offense really is, um, you know, and Sam Howell to see how he's taking it or how he's developing, because that's going to be the big question mark. And, and, you know, the thing about these camp practices, too, as you know, they're not game planning, so they're just, you know, the offense is just kind of going out there and running their stuff. There's no game plan. So to see when they start game planning, to see how how takes to that and he progresses with that so that's gonna be my big thing i'd like to see how get 40 to 50 snaps this preseason i don't know if that's possible um we don't know exactly how much he's gonna play on friday night i'd like to see him play a quarter i get it you want to save him and you know prevent injury but he's only played one football game and next week they have the joint practices with the ravens which i think are going to be very good for them ahead of their preseason game with baltimore I think they're going to treat that like a lot of live sessions there. So we'll see how Hal does against that Baltimore defense also. What, what you, know, you know, the Cardinals are going to do some preseason uh, joint practices here in a couple of weeks against Minnesota. That's been a rarity around here over the years. You know, what do teams specifically want to see when they have those kind of situations? I think it's a, it's a good thing because I think you can, you know, you can script out a practice and you can see how, you have live periods. You go ones against ones and twos against twos, and it's in a controlled, controlled, you know, environment. Um, you don't really get that in these preseason games. I think coaches use these more and more like a third preseason game, you know, the one that they consider the dress rehearsal. So I think that's what they like to see. I mean, next week they'll go up two, two days against a heck of a Baltimore defense, and, you know, this Washington defense gets a chance to go against Lamar Jackson in a controlled setting. So I think, you know, a lot of controlled settings. So I think the coaches are preferring this more and more. I think you're seeing a lot of joint practices around the league. Washington had it when they were in travel to Richmond. They had the Patriots there. Uh, we saw the Texans down there. So, um, you know, it, it seems to be that coaches are liking this more and more, and we'll see how these two teams do. Ron hasn't done it yet. He likes to do it, but we had COVID. He came out of COVID, and then the whole, uh, you know, name change and a lot of other things happen around here. But <laughs> this is the first time. <laughs> That he's having the joint practices. Speaking of name changes, are they the commanders forever, or how's this work? I, if you're asking me right now, I think there's a great chance they change the name. It's not going to be this year. It may not be right next year, but I think that everything is on the table with this new ownership group. I think that they would like to um, get away from it, to be honest. I don't think you know, many people around here have grown to like it at all. So I do think that another rebrand is on the table here in the near future. Not this year, but in the near future. Okay, so this year the 2023 win total, the consensus win total for Washington is seven and a half wins, so over or under seven and a half wins in 2023. I, I really think this team could win eight games, nine games. I think that's right around there. If you're telling me to ask me to go over seven and a half, I'm going to go over. Uh, I think the schedule is very tough, especially right out of the gate. You've got Arizona, uh, which is going to be Colt McCoy, so they have a chance, you know, their old friend Colt McCoy. I think that's a yeah. huge opportunity. you got to win that game. You're at home. It's going to be a sellout. Your first home game with not many opposing fans in attendance, which we haven't seen around here in a long time. Uh, but then you go to Denver, Buffalo, the Eagles, Bears on the short week. So the schedule is very, very tough. So I think they're right around that. Seven, eight, nine wins. Period, and I'm gonna, I'll go over officially on seven and a half. Okay, George. As you mentioned, first game against Arizona, so uh, we might catch up again in week one before that game. 
Let's do it. Appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure. George Wallace from WTOP in uh, Washington. And uh, usually, uh, I break down these schedules. I got a, you know, I've done, I did the schedule work and so forth uh, early in July, so it's been a while. But the, the schedule hasn't changed, and I don't think my opinion of really any team, for the most part, has changed uh, since then. But I, this is kind of a oh, you know, don't have much to offer as far as the schedule analysis and breakdown here. Uh, the one thing that does stand out to me is they only have one home game between November the 19th and December the 31st. Uh, and that home game is actually uh, against Miami. So, you know, it's a lot of travel involved there. And, you know, that's, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times already during these previews the last couple of weeks that if you're going to have schedule, if you have stretches with a lot of road games towards the end of the season, I think that's actually a bigger deal in a negative for teams because by that time they're mentally tired, sometimes physically tired. Most teams have had some injuries by that point. Uh, so the fact that they have that stretch with just one home game uh, for between November the 19th and December the 31st, that's probably not the best thing. Uh, in fact, the uh, road games in that stretch at Dallas, at the Los Angeles Rams, which is obviously a long trip, and against the New York Giants, so uh, that's kind of how that works out. All right, next segment, phone call time if you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. That will include some uh, Dodgers and Diamondbacks analysis from last night, a little on the Cardinals. Also, a former ASU, Arizona State University athletic director, announced his retirement this morning. He's at another school now. Uh, that's effective next summer, so we'll get to that in the next segment in addition. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. We thank George Wallace from WTOP in the last segment, a preview of the Commander's season. And uh, I might be going over that total, too. We'll get to that uh, during the extra point, officially. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to get in, general discussion, 602-260-1060. On to the local roundup we go. And the Diamondbacks lost last night to the Dodgers. Arizona started the the homestand against uh, NL West opponents with a 5-4 loss. Diamondbacks have now lost seven straight in 23 of their last 30 games. That is baseball's worst record over that stretch of 30 games. Also, uh, the Diamondbacks one time, remember way back when, I believe it was July the 1st, right around around that area, they were 16 games above 500. They are now back to 500 at 57 and 57. 
Meanwhile, the first place Dodgers have now won seven out of eight. They are a season high 20 games above 500 at 66 and 46. Last night, uh, probably not surprisingly, Julio Urias, who hasn't been great this year, especially on the road, uh, but he pitched well on the road last night. In fact, he was really good on the road last night. And not surprisingly, out pitched Brandon Fott. Uh, Urias went six shutout innings. He allowed just four hits, one walk, struck out five. Meanwhile, Fott was okay through four innings, but then he uh, failed to make it through the Dodgers' uh, you know, game-deciding three-run fifth inning. Fott now zero and six on the season, allowed four runs on uh, – on uh, you know, six hits and uh, in two walks, his earned run average now sitting at 716. Statistically speaking, the Diamondbacks, you know, they ended that road trip going four for their last 30 with runners in scoring position. That, of course, that was the one and six road trip that concluded with six consecutive losses. Last night, the Diamondbacks were three for nine with runners in scoring position, but those hits uh, all came in the final two out, two innings when. They were already down 4-0. They made a run there at the end. Corbin Carroll not running out the ground ball to end the game. I don't think that was a lack of hustle. I just think that he thought it was a foul ball. But considering their base running issues here of late, it was not a good look to end the game with that double play against uh, the Dodgers, no matter who it is, but especially the Dodgers and division opponent, etc. Tommy Pham has not started his Diamondbacks career hot. Uh, he did have a hit last night. He is two for 16 to start his Diamondbacks career. Meanwhile, personnel news, Cattell Marte was back in the lineup. Uh, you might recall he left Sunday's game in Minnesota because of left quad tightness. He's actually been slumping too lately, uh, which is surprising because he really was the only diamond, but the hitter that the Diamondbacks had uh, you know, gotten the most out of, at least offensively. Uh, since the All-Star break, but he has even struggled here of late. Meanwhile, up next, the uh, two-game series concludes tonight. Merrill Kelly, 9-5, and five, with a uh, 3.21 earned run average, goes against Dodgers rookie Bobby Miller, who is 6-2 uh, and two and has a 4.26 earned run average this year. All right, so let's take a look at the NL standings right now. Let's start with the division leaders uh, Atlanta, Milwaukee, and the Dodgers are the division leaders. Atlanta, uh, after winning, rallying last night and winning, even though they did lose Ronald Acuna Jr. We've talk, talked about that a little bit in the pipeline. It appears he's okay. But Atlanta's sitting at 71-40. and 40. Uh, Milwaukee uh, is uh, you know the division leader in the Central right now. Uh, they're sitting at 61-54. and 54. The Dodgers are second as far as you know the uh, winning percentage. In the National League, uh, behind the Braves, the Braves once again 71 and 40. The Dodgers sitting at 66 and 46 at this point. Next up, the wild card teams right now would be San Francisco, which actually lost last night at uh, Anaheim against uh, the Mighty Angels. The Mighty Angels finally win a game, first game that they've won since the trade deadline. Uh, the Giants sitting at 62 and 52. Uh, the uh, Philadelphia Phillies also at 62 and 52. They won last night uh, against uh, the uh, Washington Nationals, I think it is, and uh, the Cubs. Uh, they won last night at New York against the Mets. They're sitting at 69 and 55. So that's the cutoff. 55 losses right now is the last uh, wild card spot at the moment. Cincinnati, which lost to Florida yesterday, 
They're sitting at 66 and 57. They're the uh, first wild card team out right now. The second wild card team out would be Miami, which won at Cincinnati last night. They play again here, and like actually that game is starting as we speak uh, in Cincinnati, the fun finale of that three-game series at uh, the Great American Small Park. So uh, Miami's sitting with 56 losses, and then the Diamondbacks have 57. And then after that, you go all the way down to San Diego, which, of course, lost again last night. But you know they're, they're a dangerous team. I keep hearing that. Uh, but uh, San Diego now 55 and 59, and they've now lost four out of five games. But they're, I'm sure some experts still think they're a dangerous team, and the metrics people love them because you know the run differential is great, and they lose all these close games. Well, there's a reason their run differential is great, uh, and they lose all these close games because they're just horrible, and you know they don't pay attention to detail and. For whatever reason, there hasn't been a good mix between a really good manager, in my opinion, and Bob Melvin, and some players that uh, maybe are, I don't know how to explain what's going on with the Padres studs. Some of them have performed, some of them have not. Some of the ones that they paid have been really bad. Uh, Jake Cronenworth comes to mind there. All right, also in today's local roundup, the Cardinals, Isaiah Simmons, the switch to safety apparently, is at least okay. Jonathan Gannon on Tuesday said, quote, uh, when asked about Simmons, he shows up, uh, show, he, he shows some range, some hitting ability, a little coverage ability, a little downhill striking ability, long ways to go, but I like where he's at. And uh, he said more, but that's kind of the you know, cho- choice quotes that I took out of that from yesterday. Uh, by the way, we'll have uh, more on the Cardinals, including Aaron Decker's, uh, Aaron Decker's training camp report uh, during today's extra point, so stay tuned for that. One other quick note here, this is going to be a short uh, local roundup segment. Uh, former Arizona State Athletic Director Gene Smith is headed to retirement. Uh, he was the athletic director at ASU when I first got here and uh, started first working here at KDUS in uh, 2002. He was very nice to me when I first got here. I always appreciated that. Not knowing he was going to go to my favorite college and the school that I grew up uh, watching in Columbus. Uh, But uh, Smith is uh, the athletic director at The Ohio State University, has been for the last 19 years. And he uh, announced this morning that he will be retiring in the summer of 2024. Uh, Needless to say, you know, that's, that's not the easiest job in the world. I know people probably expect that it is. I mean, obviously the resources are tremendous. There's no doubt about that. But he's done a good job hiring coaches uh, and uh, basketball and football, for that matter. And he's had some choices to make. And uh, he's, I think, done a very good job with that. And, uh, you know, just, you know, I don't pay that much attention to the non-football and basketball sports. But uh, some of those have done rather well and uh, his time there at Ohio State. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's Sports Zone uh, with the National Roundup. That'll include uh, from the uh, baseball scoreboard, the MLB Tuesday night baseball scoreboard. We'll uh, go through a couple of games last night. The big game uh, will start off with the Houston-Boston-Baltimore game from last night. And, uh, you know, Bautista, who's been incredible this season, was not incredible last night in the ninth inning. One of his few 
you know, not good performances, or no, I actually rephrase that, not a, one of his few not dominant performances. There are plenty of people who believe he's actually the American League Cy Young Award winner. Um, you know, last night, not his crowning moment for that. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. The Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. From the MLB scoreboard, the Astros got to uh, Orioles closer Felix Batista last night. Kyle Tucker's grand slam off of Batista in the top of the ninth inning gave the uh, Astros what turned out to be a 7-6 to victory over the Orioles. Uh, after uh, two quick strikes, Tucker took two pitches out of the zone, fouled off four more. Then in the ninth pitch of the at-bat, he hit the home run to, uh, to right field. That's his uh, fifth career Grand Slam and second this season. That's a lot of Grand Slams for a guy that's as young as Tucker is, by the way. Meanwhile, Houston trailed in this game 5-0 after Ryan Mountcastle and Adley Rushman had homered in the first two innings off of uh, Astros' former ace. I think he's still their ace because I think he's better than Verlander. But Framber Valdez was not better than Verlander last night. Also, I think the most interesting thing of this game, in spite of that tremendous you know, outcome for the Astros and the her, you know the uh, dramatic finish, is that uh, spectators multiple times last night in Baltimore chanted "Free Kevin Brown." He is the Orioles television broadcaster, who is really good, by the way. Uh, I did not know of Kevin Brown before this year, and I think he does an excellent job. He was foolishly removed off the air by uh, Orioles' ownership uh, after comments that he made on a, a mass in telecast that mentioned that the Orioles had struggled against Tampa Bay in recent seasons. Those comments were 100% factual. In fact, those comments were actually in the Orioles' team notes before that game, that yet the Orioles' ownership has decided they're going to sit down Kevin Brown for a while. Uh, now there's talk that he's going to be back sooner. There's been a massive outcry for this amongst national media. A lot of their his play-by-play uh, you know, colleagues, etc. This is just complete stupidity, but it's the Orioles. Unfortunately, you know, they had a tremendous season, and uh, they don't think this is going to put a big, you know, you know certainly not going to slow them down in the field. But it's just, it's ridiculous that uh, they have sat him down for whatever, a few games or however long he's out. Meanwhile, today it's uh, Jack Flaherty, who's 1 and 0 with the Orioles, making his second start since being acquired from St. Louis before the trade deadline. And uh, Christian Javier, who's had an uneven season, but is 7 and 2 on the season. But he's had some really good stretches and some really bad stretches. He goes today for Houston. That's a, a night game tonight in Baltimore. Meanwhile, the Cubs beat the Mets. Mike Talkman uh, hit a tie-breaking home run in the eighth inning. Jonathan uh, Ty, uh, uh, Jonathan Toyon 
uh, retired the last 16 hitters that he faced. He's now won four consecutive starts. The Cubs beat the Mets 3-2 last night. Valet product Corey Belling, uh, Cody Bellinger went deep. And also Jan Gomes added an RBI double for the Cubs, who won for the t- uh, 16th time in 21 games. They're now a game and a half out of uh, first place in the NL Central behind Milwaukee. And they're just ahead of Cincinnati in a crowded wild card for the uh, third uh, league's third divisional play, for the third wild card spot, I should say. Meanwhile, the Marlins won at Cincinnati. Uh, Jorge Soler hit a two-run homer in the seventh inning, and the uh, Marlins rallied for a three-to-two victory in Cincinnati last night. Matchup of wild card contenders there. Uh, you know that was a Soler connected uh, off of Lucas Sims, the Reds reliever who inexplicably was pitching for a third consecutive day. That's the latest move by the clueless Reds manager, David Bell, who actually got a contract extension last year. So I guess we got to deal with David Bell forever. But uh, that's the way that goes if you're a Reds fan. Meanwhile, the Marlins uh, held on after that to snap a five-game losing streak. David Robertson did get the save in that game last night. They now are within a half game of the Reds for the final wild card spot. And uh, the Reds have now lost seven out of eight games. All right, some quick things uh, ripped from the headlines and from the wire around the NFL. Kareem Hunt, one of several free agent running backs still out there, has worked out with the Saints uh, earlier this week, and he has a scheduled workout with the Indianapolis Colts. Also on Tuesday, the uh, Ravens worked out pass rusher Jadavion Clowney. Seems like the Ravens are always adding people, like, right about this time, and it seems like most of those guys that they add – or contributors to a good team eventually. Meanwhile, college football, the realignment rumor mill continues. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who is a very powerful human being, as you might expect, if you don't know that already. On Tuesday, Sankey said he does not expect the SEC to expand anytime soon. He also, I think more significantly, called for the 12-team CFP format to be reconsidered after the Pac-12 defections of the past week. Meanwhile, elsewhere, the ACC, depending on which media outlet you pay most attention to, are considering adding Cal, Stanford, and maybe SMU. That's not it for the realignment talk. Uh, San Diego State reportedly failed in an attempt to generate interest in uh, basically uh, creating a Power 5 conference with the remaining Pac-12 schools, so that would be Cal, Oregon, Stanford, and Washington State, plus the current Mountain West Conference teams and also some American Athletic Conference members. So that that failed, apparently. Baseball. Uh, The Ray Shane McClanahan, kind of last man standing in a way, or close to it, left elbow, not likely to pitch again this season. According to Kevin Cash, there is speculation he's headed for Tommy John surgery. Uh, be the fourth pitcher this year uh, for the um, for the Rays out for the rest of the season if he can't come back. Also, uh, this is actually the last guy standing at this point is a uh, you know, starting pitcher Tyler Glass. Now he was given an injection for uh, his ailing back that forced him to be scratched from his last start. Uh, the Red Sox yesterday activated Trevor Story and he made his season debut and hit third for the Red Sox last night. They lost at home to the Kansas City Royals in that game. 
All right, so today on the diamond, actually on a rain delay right now, it's you know, Miami and Cincinnati were supposed to start roughly 15 minutes ago in Cincinnati. Uh, they're gonna, they'll sit there forever because these two teams are involved in the wild card race. This is the last time that Miami and Cincinnati play this year in Cincinnati. I'm not sure if they play again in Miami. I don't think they do. But they definitely, this is the last game, scheduled game in Cincinnati. So I'm guessing they're going to be there for a while just to try to get this game in. That game is expected to be Johnny Cueto, former Red, for many years ago. And Dusty Baker basically overused him. And it's amazing that Cueto, like 10 years later, is still pitching. Uh, Atherall is expected to pitch for Ashcraft, my bad. Ashcraft's scheduled to pitch for the Reds. He's actually been pretty good lately. Uh, Ashcraft and the Reds are a small favorite in that game, by the way, today. Also today, I mentioned earlier, uh, Baltimore and Houston play again tonight in Baltimore. That's Javier and Flaherty. And Flaherty and the, uh, and the Baltimore Orioles are roughly a 130 favorite in that particular game this evening couple other quick games involving uh, the National League West. Uh, you know, the San Francisco Giants, who did lose last night at the Anaheim. Anaheim finally won a game after the uh, trade deadline. Uh, they played night in Anaheim. Otani against Walker. So the uh, Giants, as it goes you know, frequently for them, going with uh, you know, basically a bullpen game. Otani and the Angels, a 130 favorite in that game. And tonight, the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers conclude there are two game series in uh, Chase Field tonight. It's Bobby Miller against uh, uh, you know against Merrill Kelly, and the Dodgers and Miller, a 125 favorite tonight, consensus number in Nevada against the Diamondbacks and Carson Kelly. All right, stay tuned. In the next two hours, it's the extra point hosted by Kayla. That include a Atlanta Falcons preview with Josh Kendall of the Athletic, and more phone call time 602 260